Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Once again this week, John's not with us. He is doing ministry overseas, and I have a special guest with me, Evan Wilkerson. How you doing, Evan? Good. Thanks for having me back, Mark. We're going to talk today about a subject that I think your special your your experience in ministry really helps us in. We're going to talk about the idea of deconstructionism, and just to kind of really quickly unpack what that is, uh, we're talking about this trend, mm-hmm. uh, almost just become almost the norm of of people in their late teens to mid twenties deconstructing their faith. So they grew up in church, they had a faith in Christ, and then there's this period of time where society now has almost told them they're they're somehow not responsible, right? If they don't deconstruct their faith, and so you you have experience in working with youth, yeah, um, both at a church level, I know, um, and then you lead next gen ministries here at World Challenge. Yeah, so I was a middle school pastor for a while and then uh, did a lot of youth work when I got hired at World Challenge, now next-gen director. So, yeah, I've been in that world for a while now. That's great. So we kind of want to, I think, address this thing from like three areas today, you know. Um, One, deconstructionism, kind of what is it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, what are the causes of it? And then maybe three, to give people hope and like, how do we walk with somebody who is deconstructing their faith in a productive way? Mm -hmm. And so let's just right off the bat, you know, Mm -hmm. from your experience, what do you see as what is deconstructionism? I've kind of described it. Do you see is anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, well, it it comes from a, a trend, a growing trend of progressive Christianity, which isn't just what it sounds like of liberalism, but it is progressive ideas of um, you You can kind of choose for yourself what is true, um, and you want to really see what is oppressive to you or what harms you, um, and then you want to disregard it or abandon whatever's harming you, whatever's causing um, trouble for you, then, then you, you destroy that and, and disregard it. And so when it comes to the faith or the Christian faith, um, this movement has been called deconstructionism because if a student sees that they've had trouble in their faith or, um, there's just been various problems that have made it hard for them to keep their faith, they're offered this progressive Christianity idea um, and maybe really more so an atheistic idea that you can just start chipping away at your once cherished beliefs, once held cherished beliefs and um, replace it with what you think is most valuable and most freeing for your life, whatever causes you to flourish most of all. And, And then so it starts them on this journey. So deconstructionism really is what it sounds like. You you start chipping away at fundamental beliefs to see if it really was true or not. But 
I think the problem is is that it inherently tries to rid you of your faith. All right. So I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to push back, but I'm going to ask a, a, a question. Sure. And that is, do you, it, it, you presented the idea of deconstructionism purely from a negative perspective. Mm-hmm. Is there a positive form of deconstructionism? I've heard of that. It's good to look at your your faith and and see which parts don't line up and um and and almost reform. You know, we talk about Martin Luther and the Great Reformation, and that's what deconstructionism kind of is. But I don't I don't think that's ever what it really um, is appealing to, or whatever it's really tied to in the cultural realm. If if I don't think there's a such thing as neutral deconstructionism where you can objectively just chip away at your faith. I think the way that deconstructionism has been context and the context mm-hmm. it's in is in such a negative uh, light and pressure of your faith that almost always it, it becomes something negative. Interesting, because, you know, one of the things that John and I always talk about here at the table is sometimes we actually disagree on topics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly get what you're saying about the, you know, especially if you take the, like, what's in the literature about the subject of deconstructionism. Mm-hmm. You know, I would agree with you 100%. That's, you know, especially those who are kind of like leading this movement. Yeah. I guess what I'm when I think of it from a positive perspective, and maybe we wouldn't call this deconstructionism, but it's it's an element of all of us. So you you grew up in a Christian home, I grew up in a Christian home. You can't deconstruct something that was never constructed. Yeah. So the, this is deconstructionism. We're automatically saying really only applies to those who had a faith, hmm. you know, and and that was personal, mm-hmm. but. There's a time in our lives when we move. If you've grown up in a Christian home, you've 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 gone to church, you've you all of that. You have to move from a perspective of this is my parents' faith mm-hmm. to this is my faith. Absolutely. And I guess I, I'm I'm kind of saying that is maybe that's not deconstructionism because you know if you think of Jenga, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know I, I, I tend to be a very concrete thinker, not great at abstract. So, you know, in some respects, I think the the whole deconstructionism is taking your arm and just sweeping all the blocks off the table. Right. Yeah. Just getting rid of it. Yeah. Completely. You know, and that's its goal from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe a positive form of it is trying to figure out what pieces actually aren't don't belong there, hmm. you know, because the truth is we all, no matter where we came from in our Christian walk, we all brought pieces of it that were extra biblical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, cultural expressions that, mm-hmm. of, of Christianity that weren't positive or negative. Hmm. They were just expressions hmm. of Christianity. You know, one particular type part of the country tends to be more demonstrative. Mm-hmm. You know, Southern Christianity is going to look very different than vibrant Christianity in North Dakota. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and so what if this is cultural? What if this is, you know, and then you got mm-hmm. even in the even in the a particular part of the country, you've got a, a Pentecostal church 
next to a Reformed mm-hmm. church. And the truth is, in both churches, you've got people who deeply love Christ. Yeah. He is their highest affection. Mm. And, but they're, you know, in that process of maturing, I think there is a natural time when we ask questions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I see it like what you're saying is so valid because we have to do that process of moving away from what our parents' faith is and making it our own and right. that we've we've come to terms that what God's word says is true and we've had some mm-hmm. kind of encounter with him. Yep. So we are born again. And so if we were to use the word deconstruction, if we had to, I would say that it might, for example, look like Maybe somebody it's reconstruction. Who, reconstruction, I think is <laughs> a better word. But somebody maybe who grew up in a very legalistic home. Mm-hmm. And that's their impression of Christianity. I have to keep the rules or I'm going to hell for eternity. Right. And it's such an overwhelming pressure that anything else that they can get their hands to on, they dive in you know, head first because sure. they just can't live under that pressure. And it makes sense. Nobody can. We're not, right. That's why sure. Christ came and died for us. Um, so a reconstruction would be coming to the true gospel that we're not saved by our works, but we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I I think the terminology, though, has been so immersed in what a secular, um, maybe even atheistic worldview has offered that um, it it's almost pointless to use the word uh, deconstruction, because again, if if somebody neutrally is like told, I think, you know, deconstructionism is good in one sense, and then they just start searching the web. Sure, your top results are going to be these guys who said Christian faith was good for a while. I tried it out. You know, I get it. I understand you guys, but you know, I just found that there's something more enlightening, and so that's why I gave up the fairy tale sure. and moved to something real. I think that's the broader, more immersed context that you'll find yourself in deconstruction. Yeah, and I certainly get what you mean. If you start, if you go down the rabbit hole on the internet about what this is, you know, I yeah. guess you know, I, I'm at that at my age, I just have this real burden mm. for younger people who I see this happening to. Uh, and f- I feel a burden for walking beside them and, and helping them as much as they want help, mm. you know? Um, so, you know, there, and there's probably a bunch of reasons why deconstruction happens mm. and they're probably not all the same for every individual. Sure. From your perspective, let's just kind of go ahead and move into our second part here about what do you see as the reasons for deconstructionism? I've seen um, personally people tell me that the the rules and uh, regulations, legalism type Christianity has been something that's pushed them away. So, you know, I've I've had friends deconstruct. I have friends that I think are kind of on that that process. And one reason um, I I've heard from them is that you know 
they they can't coincide some of the lifestyle choices that they that they want and and some of the things that they value in their friends however their friends want to live mm-hmm. um and then for somebody to tell them no you can't live that way because it goes against the bible um those are some reasons that i've seen um personally like uh, personal experiences uh, of people deconstructing you know so kind of going back to you know this this so you you mentioned the the whole legalistic yeah idea you know for me i look at that in, in from two perspectives because what we're talking about there is behaviors yeah you know so one the legalistic side says you know you must do this 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 and this to be saved mm. or more likely you must not do this 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 and this because it's usually you know legalistic christianity tends to have a bent toward what we're not supposed, not supposed to do, to do. Yeah. not the positive things we're supposed to do mm-hmm. you know it, it doesn't say you're supposed to feed the poor you're supposed to care to for the love your neighbor, neighbor. It's, you know it There's tends to be emphasis exactly the emphasis is on don't do this don't do this don't do this don't do this mm-hmm. um so you know understanding that you know, I mean, I, that could have been my personal story, mm. but but to tell you the truth, it wasn't really deconstructionism. It was, um, it was frustration. I was the kid who just swept the jangas off, off the, the table. table. Yeah, and now what the motive behind it was? It was honestly probably mixed. Mm. So one side of it was, I can't perform at this level, so. I'm going to stop trying, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So there was a legitimacy to that of that standard is so high, you know, you're an adolescent, you know, and you know, this stuff is wrong, but you can't seem to get out of it. You know, theologically we're living in Romans seven, you know, we're doing everything we don't want to do. We're not doing the things we want to do. And, you know, but we never get to the end of the chapter. We never get to verse eight, you know, that nothing separates us, Mm. you know, but thanks be to God. Yeah. You know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We never get there. Mm. We just live in that tension of constantly failing. Mm. So from one side, there was frustration that moved me off. The, but to be honest, the other side of it was, you know, C.S. Lewis said that mankind, you know, who is not using gender-specific terminology, you just say just human everyone. beings, you know, tend to choose religious systems that support their moral choices. Hmm. And, and the truth, that's really what was a lot of what was going on in my life. Hmm. I just wanted to do my own thing. Mm. You know, and I wanted to do it guilt-free. <laughs> yeah, no consequences yeah. whatsoever. I wanted no condemnation, but I still wanted to be a Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, and and here's something that kind of gives me hope for this whole thing. If 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 you've had the Word of God, so not just tradition, not just cultural Christianity. But if you have tasted of a real relationship with Jesus and your heart has been formed by God's word, 
I can't help but think that one of the challenges with that is it makes you a really unhappy sinner. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because it's all it's all works based. Then it's all you're trying your hardest to do. What yeah, I, yes, but I'm I'm even saying if you've grown up knowing the truth and then you decide to walk away, mm. there's this piece of you that says, I mean. The psalmist says, my sin is, even on my bed, my sin is ever before me. You know, that, you know, like a person who didn't grow up knowing the truth, they can kind of, Bill, the late Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade, used to call himself, because he grew up in a context where he had no Christianity, Hmm. no understanding of the Bible or God's word or any of that. And he said, before he came to Christ, he just called himself a happy pagan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, I think if you've lived with Christ, you've known his word, you've tasted deeply at some point in your life, the problem is you become an unhappy pagan. Yeah, and I experienced that a lot growing up. I mean, I I had definitely tasted God's goodness as a, um, you know, elementary kid, yeah. like, you know, fifth grade and stuff, and then even middle school and praying all the time. Um, so I, I knew what it was like to, to be a Christian. And then all of a sudden, you know, got just totally immersed in um people pleasing and whatever my friends wanted to do and trying to be popular with yeah, them trying and to impress whatever. um yeah. so then drinking taking drugs getting hooked on all of that and then yeah i was a very miserable uh <laughs> sinner i was a very miserable sinner while my friends were enjoying it so much and <laughs> at least they were at least they yeah, of course, we you never know what's going on in their heads and in their hearts. So. Yeah, exactly. It looked like they, they were having a good time. And I I tried to look like I was having a good time, but um, just totally empty. And, and so I get what you're saying. I think I've, I've seen a lot of um, young adults uh, just they, they've I think that they've thought that they tasted the goodness mm-hmm. of God and, and some have, but um, they forgot what that meant to to be in a relationship with the Lord and and truly walk with Him and not be so fixated on all these pressures, these outside pressures, right. um, trying to make them this this perfect Christian. I don't know if this for me this seems to resonate as I think through this process. You know, this the Bible tells us that there is a deceptiveness to sin. You know, refers to. I mean, that's, that's the terminology it uses, the deceptiveness of sin. Yeah. You know, we, we aren't saved because we, we you know, I, I know there's continuum on Christian thought on this, but, you know, I don't lose my salvation because I sin. Right. Any more than I got saved because I stopped sinning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, those are the flip sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. If one's true, the other has to be true. Right. You know, that if 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 not living morally perfect causes me to lose my salvation, then living morally perfect regained mm. my salvation. We understand that neither side of that coin, both of them have fallacies right. to them. So we kind of toss that out. Mm. However... We also understand that there is there are moral consequences to our our life. We, we're supposed to live in a certain way. We don't want to live in a certain way. I mean, the truth is, even now, you know, there's there's an old hymn that says, 
He, the writer says something about, oh, my heart prone to wander, prone to leave the God yeah. I love. Hmm. There is this piece of us hmm. that, that, that seems to have that propensity toward turning, you know. So, turning away. Yeah. So going back here is that deceptive. So we're, we're, we, we set, we're saved partly and that element of faith, belief is believing rightly. We believe rightly about what Christ did on the cross. We believe rightly about our own helplessness mm. and brokenness. You know, we we but something about sin has this propensity to delude our thinking. Mm. Like I, I live in a place now where I understand that even when I'm walking through difficult times, God's still good. Mm. If I'm walking through difficult times and I choose to soothe my hard, my, my pain with sin mm. rather than soothe my pain with Christ, sin deludes my thinking. My thinking becomes distorted, you know. And it's it might I start looking at my faith like a house of mirrors, you know, with these distorted mm. mirrors that make me think differently about myself, make me start thinking wrongly about God, and then that leads me away. Mm. Any thoughts about that? You, you resonate with that? You push oh, back? Oh, of course, yeah. That. Um, Deciding to give myself fully over to sin because I I really did decide. Yeah. I remember a conscious decision. Mm. I'm not going to pray anymore. That's not for me. I'm going to you know drink. I'm going to take drugs. That's that's who I am. Um, sadly, and and as soon as I I gave myself over to that proposition. I really noticed how dark it got. Mm. The the anxiety that came in the. Um, the insanity, the selfishness, mm. and then starting to point the blame towards God anytime something <laughs> bad had happened for the sins that I was and the consequences that I was bringing upon myself. So going from praying and saying, I love you, God, to God, this is all your fault, things that I was right. doing, it just so utterly distorts everything about you. Know, you know, it's this total depravity, whatever you think about it, it does affect every part of your being. Sin truly does sure. um, disrupt everything. Richard Dawkins, who was this one of the leading like proponents for atheism, atheist. modern the atheist. new atheism. Exactly. You know, it was, I always, I couldn't help, I, I, I felt pity hmm. for him. Be and partly because it's like your anger toward God is more of a testament to the fact that God actually exists. <laughs> right. Than that, you know, it's like if you, why do you spend so much time and energy hating something that you're convinced doesn't, doesn't exist? exist? You're putting a lot of work and effort and time <laughs> into something that's a non-entity. Yeah, and not just trying to convince others, but the passion that would well up out of him mm. related to this topic made it understand this was there was something else mm. here and so a hurt uh, oh yeah a, a, of course 
And I've I've studied a lot of different cases of deconstructionism, though mm-hmm. I've had a, a couple of um, friends who personally walked through that, and they had their reasons. But a lot of the cases that I've seen, it, it usually has something to do with church hurt <laughs> or um, an abuse that mm-hmm. that they've seen, which is tragic. You yes, know, what absolutely. do you do with that when somebody uh, is trusting God, trusting the Word of God, and trusting the people who are supposed to minister His yeah. Word to you, and they they completely fail you? Mm. It it throws them into a tailspin, and so. Some of these atheists or, or people who are in the process of, of deconstruction, I believe truly that they got on that path um, as, a, as a result of the hurt that they felt. I, I, couldn't, agree with, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're, you're dead on. You know, so we're, we've kind of looked at three things so far, maybe. One was there's this expectation of people, you know, to deconstruct their faith. Mm-hmm. Two, there's this idea that there's the moral, you know, standards. Yeah, and I, I want to. Yeah, you know. Then, as you just described, you know, so there's church hurt, and mm-hmm. and and there's and we could do a whole episode on church hurt because there's really no there's no hurt for a Christ follower that's like church hurt. Yeah, it, that's, it, it that's just, true. You know, you've probably heard this expression, but you know. Pain is directly proportionate to intimacy. Mm-hmm. So the greater intimacy we have with somebody or something, the more deep we feel mm-hmm. the pain mm-hmm. attached to it. You know, nobody can hurt me like my spouse. Yeah, my spouse, my children, children. the family of God who were supposed to be a body together. Exactly. And even in that context, you you do expect a lot from other people because you see self you see each other as family, sure. as the body of Christ. And and this is what we're supposed to do. This should be Christ like. And so when people don't follow through with that or do the complete opposite, it, yeah. it's very painful. It is. It's interesting though, I, I know in my own life, I I, I won't Judgment for others and grace for myself. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree. Yeah, you know. So the, the truth is, I I can't think of any time when I've intentionally or even unintentionally caused church hurt, mm. or you know. But the truth is, I know I've disappointed people. Mm. You know, and if so, if somebody was looking for a reason to say, well, that's not how a Christian should behave, they could have found that in me as a. Uh, middle school pastor who just got out of the world of sinning as much as possible mm-hmm. and into a internship and trying to lead middle school students. <laughs> There's a lot of middle school students that I want to apologize to because mm. I was just not Christ-like or, you know, I just, I didn't show who God was in, in those fleshly moments where, you know, um, there's a lot of stress, you know, it's yeah, a, sure. it's an all nighter at the church and <laughs> you're waiting for parents to come pick you up and, or their kids up and you just haven't <laughs> slept at all. And you get 20 questions at once. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm at my breaking point. And so, yeah, we, we've all been hurt by other people and we've all hurt people in the church. Yeah. I, I want to go to one last topic, and I'd like to see what your thoughts are on this, because I've seen this in some people. Now, here again, I, I'm saying there's there's maybe the valid reasons for valids. It may be a stretch, but anyway, there's there's reasons 
from for deconstructing one's faith. And then there's the response. Mm. So like you said, church hurt. Yeah. That's a real thing. However, I'm still responsible for my reaction to that. Mm. You know, it, you, you may be offensive. Mm-hmm. I choose whether or not to be offended. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it still rests on me. Yeah, we still have a responsibility. Yeah, we're not options. invalidating the fact that these things are real, mm-hmm. but we are saying th- that doesn't become an excuse. Right. We still have the responsibility for ourselves. You know what? What a what a shame to have somebody who does bad in the church, and then it affects someone else. Mm-hmm. That didn't do the same, you know, thing, but they end up using that as a reason. The enemy gets in our head. And we walk away because of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are the kind of things. But so here's another one that I've seen is, and this is particularly an American, particularly American, particularly evangelical mix of politics and religion. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah. seen that with any? People you're, you know, younger than you or even your age. Well, I've, I've seen students uh, just have a intense pushback on politics. So we understand, you know, from the Christian perspective, absolutely politics has its place. Um, but I think younger students and teenagers have have seen the division as cause and absolutely hate politics right. and everything it has to do with it. That's that's kind of more my experience, but I know I know there's different uh, categories. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of I was talking to a young person not too long ago, and they were talking about this, like, and they basically said, you know, it's not that I really disagree with some of the moral stances of evangelicals, and even some of them that are in politics. What I disagree with them about is that they they take these stances, but they're just angry people. Mm-hmm. There's you know, no gentleness or respect. There's no love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and it's sometimes at the expense of a Christian belief. Um, yeah, being, absolutely. Being Christ-like and um, Christ first, the gospel first, the uncompromised gospel at all costs. And then it becomes, you know, no politics first and our president first. Yeah, that well, kind of thing. You know, when we first moved to Colorado, we had to find a church. I mean, because we that's a value for us being part of Christian community. And, you know, it's not like we have to do this because we're expected to do this or whatever. Yeah. It's just we want to be part of Christian community and we understand the value of corporate worship and being in a place where God's word is taught and all that. And anyway, we went to a variety of churches trying to find the right one. And for obvious reasons, I'm not going to say where we went, but this one church we went to, you know, two weeks in a row, 10 minutes into the pastor's talk, no mention of the Bible, no mention of um, any member of the Trinity. Wow. But he told me five reasons why he didn't like the president. Wow. Now, if I were, you know, if I had taken a a young, you know, 20-something person who's early 20s in university, taken them to that context, 
they would have walked out of that place if if they didn't know better or they would have equated what they heard with Christianity. Yeah. Because after all, that's supposed to be the man of God mm-hmm. who's declaring God's word. And so, well, if that's what Christians are. Yeah, I want you know, nothing to do with I don't want anything it. to do with that. And yeah, so you bring them to church and it ends up being a political rally. campaign. Yeah. They're out of there. Yeah. You know? And, you know, of course, I, my experience has been, is, and this is a whole other topic, but when we bring politics, when we try to merge politics and Christianity, it's actually Christianity that always suffers. Mm. Mm. You know, it, it's, it, it's, comprom- it's Christianity that gets compromised. Yeah. So... We've we've kind of shared some reasons. We want to wrap up today with kind of like how do we walk with people who are deconstructing their faith? Because mm. the reality is, some people are going to do it, mm-hmm. and then there's people listening to this podcast who know people that they care deeply about who have deconstructed their faith. Mm. From your perspective, give me your thoughts on that. Prayer, always keep praying for people. Don't mm. don't lose hope for people who've deconstructed. And, you know, God God can save anyone and mm. God can restore anyone. He's the shepherd who goes after the one lost sheep. So continue in prayer for them. And, and it's really in prayer that we get the direction from God to know how to approach our relationship with them from that point. How, how do we restore this person back to faith and prayer for what was it that really caused the hurt or the disillusionment for them to leave Christianity mm. in the first place? Was it abuse or was it um, too high expectations of legalism and, and moral standards that no one can keep? We're not saying don't be moral. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. keep the Ten Commandments, but um, don't live by law. So be asking these questions, um, not just in prayer to God, but Hopefully you still have a relationship with them and, and you can just ask them, uh, what what do you think it was? Without a judgmental um, approach, because that's part of the reason they left in the first sure. place, I think, for some, is just they they felt judged for having a disagreement. They felt judged for having doubts or a question. Right. And so, so one, I would think it is at ops. Absolutely, is, is prayer, but then it's continuing that relationship with them as much as possible and coming more in approach where you are a um, gentle investigator. You just want to know what's going on mm. in their lives and, and really listen to them because... I, I love the fact that you just said to listen. Yeah. Because sometimes, and for me, I've discovered that some people ask a question but they're not really asking the question for the sake of the answer. They're asking the question, trying to set up an opportunity for them to give a monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I, they're, thanks yeah, for they, listening. Yeah, True they listening. They, and now back to my monologue. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, they, they don't actually... I, and I do that too. You know, I just, you know, don't really listen to what's on their heart because you want to tell them what you've already predetermined and is mm-hmm. most important. But the I mean, most and important that's because it's it's so real to us. Yeah. I mean, we, we've we've found the beauty of Christ. It's not like we're trying to convince somebody that you need to switch from being blue to red or red to blue. We we we've tasted the beauty of Christ. We're trying to say 
we want you to have what we have. Mm. It's not like we're trying to convince you of some yeah. issue. We, we want you to have this beautiful thing, and it's painful for us at times when we hear this, the arguments that we know aren't valid. Mm-hmm. There's a piece of us that I get why you would say, I want to just talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How can you not be excited about the treasure of Christ? Yeah. How can you not be excited you of this. about the gospel? And I and I— I totally agree, and that's that's where my heart posture is. I'm yeah. excited about the the gospel. I'm excited about the glory of Christ, and I. But I do think it um, depends on what the topic is or what they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. So you know, if they had, if they seen hypocrisy from their pastor, and they said Christianity is a fairy tale, I'm leaving. Then that's that might be your topic instead of like saying. No, but but Christ is just so beautiful. So you just just trust in Him. Just be committed. That kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that that's not the best way of describing it. But um, just going back to whatever the root issue of uh, that they're struggling through, and then just being a listener through that. Maybe maybe not even um, deciding to have an answer for them in that moment. I think opening up a safe place where they can share their doubts and and their questions mm-hmm. is is so crucial is so important that's another reason why deconstruction happens is that they don't feel comfortable sharing their doubts or questions in the first place so they go to the atheist professor who makes a hobby out of ridiculing sure. christianity of course they're going to deconstruct at that point so I just can't, you can't underestimate the value of just being a listening ear to somebody who's hurting. And I think, you know, just to wrap this up for me, what you've described as a listening ear is really just an expression of love. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. You know, love, I still think is the greatest apologetic, not love that's sentimental, you know, love that sticks with people even when they mm. hurt us and make choices we don't prefer. We see them harming mm. themselves and sometimes in their pain and in their sin, they harm others and mm-hmm. they harm us. Mm-hmm. And to continue to love, I think, is just such a powerful, powerful apologetic. I mean, it absolutely I can't help but just wrap ending this on this idea of, you know, Jesus is on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And the Roman soldier says, surely this man (laughs) must have been the son of God. Hmm. Because my guess is he had been at the foot of many crucifixions. Hmm. That's a good point. And he'd never seen that response. Hmm. Most people died in agony with vileness on their mouth. Absolutely. And for once, he saw somebody who actually said, forgive these people who are harming me. Mm. He realized that's not normal. Mm. So if by the power of his spirit, God can set our hearts up to respond to those who are in deconstructing their faith, doesn't mean we don't have discussions. It doesn't mean we don't talk about real issues. But if we can always do it from the posture of love, I think we're going to bear much more fruit. Let it all be done in love. Amen. Thanks for joining me today, Evan. It's been a joy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you.
Be sure to join us next time for Truth and Grace with John and Mark when John will actually be back at the table. In the meantime, we hope you have a great week. Uh, Whatever you do to listen to the podcast, to watch it, we ask that you would share the content, make comments. Um, We're trying to get this message out to more and more people. And so we appreciate your help in that process. Have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable, and we're so thankful that you chose to spend it with us. If you want more encouragement, our website has the monthly newsletter, other podcasts, sermon series, study guides, daily devotions, and updates from the missions field. Visit us at worldchallenge.org for all this and more. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.